Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to One Body Stewarding God's Creation. And a big thanks to all of you out there that financially support this station, making this broadcast possible. Today, we're going to continue our talks about abortion. This is our third talk in a series on abortion. And today, we'll be focusing on how abortion impacts men. When we think about abortion healing, most people primarily think about the woman. After all, it's her right to choose, right? But have you ever thought about what a man goes through after an abortion? I know, it wasn't his body. Yet, abortion does affect his body. It affects him psychologically, emotionally, and it can cause trigger reactions which can be detrimental to his health. There are three ways men are directly affected by abortion. First, they had no choice in the matter. The woman chose abortion, and as the father, he did not know about it until after the abortion took place. Or, he might have known this was her choice and was helpless to stop it because, after all, it is her body. Here's what Roe v. Wade did. Roe v. Wade said, that a woman has a legal right to terminate her pregnancy within the terms of her right to privacy. In other words, she doesn't have to tell the father of the baby, and even if she does, if she wants an abortion, there's not a darn thing he can do about it. Now, at the time, many people saw this as unjust. So two years after Roe v. Wade, 12 states adopted spousal consent laws so that it would take both the mother and the father to sign the papers before an abortion could take place. In 1976, however, the Supreme Court determined these spousal consent laws were inconsistent with the decision of Roe v. Wade and therefore unconstitutional. So, men, according to our laws, a woman has every right to terminate her pregnancy without the consent of the father. Now, men in this situation feel a sense of helplessness. You see, a man is the giver of life. He is meant to protect his young. And now suddenly these men feel powerless to protect their unborn child. There's a sense of injustice. It's not fair that only one parent can choose whether a child lives or dies. Another way abortion affects men, and this is the most common way, is that they freely participate in the decision to abort. Actually, 95% of fathers play a key role in a woman's decision to abort. Kevin Burke, co-founder of Rachel's Vineyard Ministry, gives awesome trainings on men and abortion, as he has worked with many men regarding post-abortion healing. He calls this the Genesis Factor. Genesis because of the first book in the Bible. In this first book of the Bible, Adam kind of stands off to the side and allows Satan to tempt his wife. Adam was silent. Likewise, today, many men are silent. Now, some men, they'll just like totally abandon the relationship with their girlfriend in order to avoid the decision-making process about the pregnancy or abortion altogether. So in, in essence, they literally run away. 
they're running away from the garden. Another group of men might stay in the garden and push the woman toward the serpent, pushing the woman into the decision to abort. And they might do this quite subtly. They might say things like, you know, we're not really ready for this decision. Or, are we really in a financial position to have this baby? Others might push more aggressively with things like, are you sure it's my baby? This will ruin both our lives. This will ruin our relationship. We can't have this baby. One woman we worked with on a Rachel's Vineyard retreat had a boyfriend whose mother happened to be the town judge. When the boyfriend's threats weren't working, his mother, the grandmother of this child, called the young woman and told her that if she persisted in having the child, she, as the judge, would make certain that the child was taken away from her after his or her birth. In my opinion, the judge was likely post-abortive herself and pushing another to make the same decision as she herself may have made lessens her own guilt and shame. Men will often experience the same emotional trauma as a woman does after an abortion, and he realizes that he helped kill his own child. They will experience guilt, regret, sadness, and a sense of loss. They will often enter into many failed relationships. They may be unable to develop trust, especially in situations where they were unable to have a choice in the fate of their child. Often, their problem-solving skills are compromised. They may often emotionally withdraw from any hint of intimacy. And not uncommon is that men will encounter sexual problems such as impotency. In the book, Men and Abortion by Catherine Coyle, which, by the way, I highly recommend if you want any more knowledge on this subject, notes that abortion trauma can lead men temporarily into a homosexual relationship. They do this because it's safer with a man than to be humiliated by a woman. When I went on my Rachel's Vineyard retreat, there was a middle-aged man on that retreat. Years before, his daughter had phoned him. Dad, I'm pregnant, she said. I need help. Can you send me some money so I can take care of this? As a divorced father, his heart went out to his daughter. He wasn't there for her physically every day, but he wanted to be there at least to support her emotionally and financially when he could. So he immediately wired the money to his daughter, and she used it to abort her baby. Now, 18 years later, this man realized the full impact of what he had done. He told us, I hired a hitman to kill my grandchild. This man had many of the symptoms of post abortion trauma. He was unable to stay in one physical relationship, so he had many, many sexual partners and no one with whom he could really be emotionally intimate. He had trouble with alcohol. It helped to numb his pain. And he watched from a distance as his daughter's life unraveled into chaos. Abortion is a loss. Yes, for a man, it is not a tangible loss as a child is not in their body, but it's a loss nonetheless. 
Yes, the baby is part of the mother's body, but still, a part of the man, a part of the father, has died. It's also a loss of an idea, quite likely the loss of a person he loved, the mother, as most relationships following an abortion do not work out. It might be the loss of a child, his very own seed. It might be the loss of the idea of family. Men can often be plagued with persistent thoughts about their unborn child. In some cases, this can become so disturbing that the man is unable to concentrate or hold down a job. According to abortionresearch.net, 80% of men who have participated in an abortion decision think about their baby. 30% of them think about their child frequently. 74% of men experience intrusive thoughts. 73% of men will experience some type of hyperarousal, which is sometimes it's reduced pain tolerance, anxiety, exaggeration of startle responses, insomnia, which is, you know, difficulty sleeping, fatigue, that kind of thing. 54% of men live in denial and actually convince themselves that this abortion never even happened. In the book, Redeeming a Father's Heart, men tell of their loss and their recovery from abortion. This book is written by Kevin Burke, along with David Wernoff and Marvin Stockwell. One man wrote about his suicide attempt after participating in an abortion. This man idolized his father. He loved spending time with him. As an eight-year-old child, his life was torn apart when his parents decided to divorce. Even though he continued to have contact with his father, life was never the same. His father remarried and began having a new family, which took his father's attention. So when this man grew up and met the love of his life, he vowed to be a good father and a good husband. That was until his fiancée announced she was pregnant. He said all the right things to her, or so he thought. We don't have a lot of money saved. Shouldn't we wait until we are married and settle down for a year or so, find a nice home for us? I'm just thinking of what's best for you and our future family. When we're ready, I want you to have the kind of life that you and our children deserve. In an effort to please him, his fiancée reluctantly agreed. They had an abortion. Afterwards, there was this unspoken pact of silence. They didn't discuss it, but it played upon their relationship. The couple did get married. As a husband, he began climbing the corporate ladder. Sometimes he was plagued by the thoughts of the child he aborted, but he would stuff those feelings down and throw himself into his busy life, providing, as best he could, as a young husband should do. Then his wife became pregnant. After the baby was born, his wife suffered from depression. She never wanted to have sexual relations. He said they both likely knew what was wrong, the birth of their new child brought back plaguing thoughts of the child they chose not to have. 
yet the couple never talked about it. To handle the emotional trauma and loss of ability to comfort his wife, the hard-working businessman began stopping after work for a drink. He began looking at pornography, which intensified his feelings of isolation, depression, and self-disgust. Soon, others from his office, both male and female, began joining him for a drink after work. And it wasn't long before he found himself having an affair. When his wife confronted him about it, his life literally fell apart. Regardless of how badly he wanted to save his marriage, it was useless. The abortion, coupled with the affair, broke down all trust and communication. Now the man found himself being the father and husband he never wanted to be. Now his son was going to have to deal with a father who wasn't present in the home. It was just like how he grew up. This marital breakdown, which really began before the marriage even started because of the decision to abort their first child, has literally ended. When he realized the consequences of all his actions, he quit trying to live. And that is when he attempted suicide. The man wanted his life to be in order and so perfect, something his life was not as he grew up. And he literally said, I sacrificed my firstborn son on the altar of perfectionism and pride. He now realizes after post-abortion healing and being given a new life, and these are his words, being a man is more about loving and protecting the people God places in our care. This chapter in the book, Redeeming a Father's Heart, is called A Deadly Perfectionism. And this book, Redeeming a Father's Heart, is available at the local Rachel's Vineyard office. Oh, men are definitely hurt by their abortion decision. But connecting with men for healing is such a struggle. At our local Rachel's Vineyard, we do have men that have participated in an abortion decision come on the retreat. But getting the word out to them and making it okay for them to come and get help and healing that they need is quite difficult. You see, I think men are really good about suppressing their feelings. They want to get away from their grief. They may think, what's done is done. Why even go there? Other men want to do something, take some kind of action. And these type of men might become workaholics, throw themselves into providing for their family. And sometimes men will become over-involved in ministry, almost like they're atoning for their behavior, so to speak. Some men will cope by finding others to absorb the pain. In other words, they transfer the pain that they feel onto others through irrational anger and other behavior issues. This usually results in an endless cycle of failed relationships. Other men will cope by diving into pornography. Like alcohol abuse, pornography temporarily releases the shame and guilt. The only problem is that after the behavior, after viewing the pornography, it reinforces themselves as being bad people, and they loathe in self-disgust. Also, pornography will bring a whole nother set of problems. 
and often results in the loss of a spouse. Men who have participated in Silent No More awareness campaign, they often testify that they regret their role in the abortion decision. There is shame and selfishness. They just stood and watched, they'd say, just like Adam in the Garden of Eden. And they did nothing. They didn't defend the life of their son or daughter. And this results in isolation. They express the need to feel like a man, but continue to live with the I failed mentality. Men of Christ, our Lord and Savior does not want you to stay in this place of failure, guilt, shame, and isolation. He wants you to have the healing you need so that you can be a good husband, father, and man in our churches and in our society. Psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually, Jesus Christ doesn't want you to stay in that developmentally stuck, so to speak, place. He wants you to heal, to open your heart, no matter what age you are, young or old. He wants you to be, from this day forward, the man He has designed for you to be. Now, Rachel's Vineyard Retreats are a great place for men to heal. You see, even though I'm a woman, I know men don't like to talk about their feelings. That's what makes Rachel's Vineyard so awesome for men. They don't have to talk about their feelings. It's a safe place for men where they can walk through Scripture, focus on meditations, and then use their God-given senses to touch things from a hard, cold rock to a warm, glowing candle. All this makes it a safe environment for men to process and heal without getting into the mushiness of feelings. It takes courage to be a real man in our society today. It takes courage to stand up and be brave. It takes courage to know you need to Heal and redeem yourselves as men, fathers, and leaders of our families, and spiritual leaders of our society. On a Rachel's Vineyard retreat, you won't just be dealing with women. You will be dealing with other men, too. We have two men on our retreat team, so this makes this a safe environment for you. Now, many of you might think, gee, I can't call that local Rachel's Vineyard office. But we've had people we know quite personally on a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. Our entire team is committed to confidentiality. We have to be, or the safeness of the retreat would be lost. And sometimes we go to great lengths to protect this confidentiality. And if you think that I personally would think less of you for having been involved in an abortion, you are wrong. It's actually just the opposite. I would think of how brave you are to finally confront the pain and want the healing that it takes to be a real man in our world. Abortion crosses all boundaries. It doesn't just affect the poor or the rich. It affects everyone. It affects those who are in religious ministry. It affects 
the minister himself, the pastor himself. It affects the laborer. It affects the businessman. It affects lawyers, bankers, construction workers, government workers. Literally no one is exempt from abortion. So be a man today. Call Rachel's Vineyard and get more information about a retreat that will literally change your life. Take courage. Jesus is calling you. Call one eight seven seven. I grieve. That's one eight seven seven. I grieve, or one eight seven seven four four seven four three eight three. That's one eight seven seven four four seven four three. There is this awesome video titled Water and Bridges, sung by Kenny Rogers, about a man looking back on his life and regretting his participation in an abortion decision. If you go to YouTube and you type in Water and Bridges, it will come up. Maybe I'll try to get a copy of this song so I can tuck it in after this one body show. Okay, this might be a good time to take a break, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back when we'll talk about how abortion affects relationships and the third way that abortion affects men. So stay tuned. a little bit now about how abortion affects relationships. When God designed Eve for Adam, he meant for man and woman to be a gift to each other. This is to be a one flesh union. Their love is to be so strong and so deep that each are willing to sacrifice their lives for the other. And God allowed us to share in his likeness so that when the man and woman come together in the one flesh union, there is the potential for procreation. Now we all know how Satan does not like unity. Satan gets much pleasure from disunity. So from the very beginning of time, Satan has been working to break up this male-female relationship. And he is very, very clever. Satan says, Eat of the fruit, and you will become like God. You will know good and evil. Well, there is a truth to this. Up to this point, Adam and Eve only knew goodness. So what happens? Eve eats of the fruit, shares it with her husband, and immediately, immediately their eyes were open. Oh, yeah. They now know evil. They had to clothe themselves so as not to look upon each other with lust. And death entered the world. 
Abortion is much like the sin of our first parents. Abortion is the fruit. Tasting of it violates something very personal. And the result is death. The death of a child and the spiritual downfall and death of the parents. Now, whether you are boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, or or wife, or a one-night stand, it, it doesn't matter. Whatever the situation that found the woman with child, and this is followed with an abortion, it will have devastating consequences on the couple and their relationship together. Seldom, seldom does a relationship work out after an abortion decision. Abortion affects marital intimacy. Communication breaks down. The trust and respect are gone. Now, all these are very good building blocks to a healthy marriage. You break down the intimacy, communication, trust, and respect. (laughs) Your marriage literally falls apart. One woman stated that after her abortion and her husband and her would have intimate relations, she would just turn away from him. And she let the tears just drip out of her eyes and rolled down her cheek and onto her pillow. And she said this happened for years, years. She said she would look at her husband. He was a handsome man. He didn't drink. He was a good provider. And she couldn't understand why she couldn't stand him. The couple ended up coming to a Rachel's Vineyard retreat, and their relationship was healed. And they now tell their story to encourage other couples to heal also. Now, as I've said before, sexual dysfunction is not uncommon after an abortion. It's almost like the body's function is shutting down. Also, with all intimacy, communication, and trust gone, it is a relationship that is quite often prone to affairs. Let me tell you about another couple who has given me permission to tell their story. And for the sake of this story, I'll call them Jim and Jane. Jim couldn't figure out why his wife was so depressed. You see, after an abortion and the communication breaks down and the abortion is never talked about, there is only one thing to do, and that's to grieve inwardly, alone and silently. This resulted in a very deep depression for Jane. Finally, Jane found out about Rachel's vineyard, and she instantly knew she needed to attend this retreat to deal with the loss of her baby. We always encourage couples to attend together, if at all possible. So Jim and Jane decided to attend a Rachel's vineyard retreat. When they walked in, Jane looked so sad and grief-strucken. Much of the time she just sat there and silently let tears flow down her cheeks. Jim was just like, my wife's depressed, so we're here. Fix her and we can go home and life will return to normal. As I have said before, on a Rachel's Vineyard retreat, we allowed the grieving process to take place. The grieving over a loss that wasn't supposed to really be a loss. As it turned out, this couple had had two abortions, one when they were very young and the other after five children were born. And Jim didn't think they could afford another child.
and thus he convinced his wife that abortion was the best solution. It was the second abortion that triggered thoughts of the first abortion for Jane. The grief was doubly intense as she grieved the loss of both her children. Throughout much of the retreat, Jim was just going through the motions, anything that would make his wife heal and life normal again. Then came the time where the couple came forward to light a candle and name their children and present their children to Christ. All this is designed as part of a a good and healthy grieving process. As Jim lit the candle and said his children's names and gave the children to Christ, he broke down. He sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. Finally, it hit him. He had allowed his children to be killed. He didn't protect him. He wasn't a real man. The really cool thing about working on the Rachel's Vineyard team is to see how Jesus touches individuals where they are at. It's nothing we as a team do. It's all what Jesus does. This man repented and grieved. His entire life turned around. He couldn't get enough scripture in his life. He literally went home and joined two Bible study groups. He thirsted for what it took to be a good husband and father. And for Jane, seeing her husband's sorrow over the loss of their children is what she needed to witness before her healing began. Jim found a beautiful print of two angels flying into heaven, and he bought the print, framed it, and presented it to his wife for Mother's Day. The picture hangs in their bedroom, so the couple can always remember the two children they have waiting for them in God's heavenly kingdom. And no one else, not their children, nor any relatives, have to know why that picture is there. This is a beautiful story of how God takes the muck of our lives, our worst decisions. He turns them around and he makes life better than we can ever imagine it to be. It's like a mini resurrection. So often before an abortion, the couple thinks that after this life will just return back to normal, but Life doesn't get normal after an abortion. The abortion turns life upside down. And there's so much energy that goes into the covering up of an abortion. For couples, it's arguing and affairs and not being fully present to their living children, all about the root of the problem that they feel of being incapable of dealing with. There's really another good music video by Ben Folds titled Brick. He wrote this song about an abortion decision he had with his girlfriend in high school. And the artist states that they are in love, yet they feel all alone. The artist further elaborates on this breakdown in communication that accompanies an abortion decision in the chorus when he sings, She's a brick, and I'm drowning slowly. I'll see if I can get a copy of that song to plug in after this show. But in case we can't, if you just go to YouTube and type in Brick and Ben Folds, I'm sure it will pop up. Now, there's a third way abortion affects men, 
and that is when they marry someone who is post-abortive. And if healing hasn't adequately taken place, the emotional trauma is carried over into the relationship. So here's another story. This one is on the training video that Kevin Burke did for those of us working in the vineyard. And the couple's name is Rachel and John. When Rachel and John met and grew serious rapidly, she knew she'd have to tell John about her past abortions. So one night she just blurted it out. I had two abortions. John said he was stunned. And he was sad for her, too, that she had to go through that. He wanted very much to be someone who protected her and cared for her as a husband should. Thus they married, and then when Rachel became pregnant, the post-abortion pain began surfacing. Rachel was sure God was going to punish her by taking this child. Rachel had repented, and as a Catholic, had confessed this sin in the sacrament of reconciliation. Still, she was afraid of retaliation from God, and she was very sad. John couldn't understand her periods of depression, which Rachel now understands that it they always coincided with the anniversary date of her abortions and also during the holidays. John said he didn't know why these bouts of depression were consuming his wife or how to help her. Rachel said she still suffered from so much guilt and shame from her abortion. She felt alone. John felt alone. John was a youth minister in his parish, and every time the word abortion came up, it was a reminder of her condemnation. Even though she and John were having children, Rachel's mothering ranged from having difficulty bonding to being overprotective, and she often had outbursts of anger. One day, John asked her, What is the worst thing you have ever done? Rachel said, It was to abort her babies. And then John said, then that's where your anger lies. What a wise man. What a wise man. Shortly after that, Rachel found a brochure for a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. And she just knew that this retreat was for her. It helped that the retreat was named Rachel because that was her first name. She said it felt as if God was talking directly to her. Because of her children at home, Rachel attended the retreat alone. When John came to the memorial service that concluded the retreat, he knew that his wife was not the same. Rachel said, John touched my face and said, I can see that my wife radiates with peace. Rachel said the retreat gave her a safe place to grieve with the other women and men who had been living their lives in the shroud of secrecy. She emerged a new person. But for the couple's relationship to fully be restored and to be where Christ wanted it to be, they needed to attend another Rachel's Vineyard retreat, this time with John. When John spiritually adopted his wife's children, wrote a letter to them, the completed healing took place. John said he thought it a little strange to spiritually adopt his wife's children, but as the retreat unfolded, he saw that these children were very much a part of her life. If he wanted Rachel fully as his wife, then he needed to embrace her children too. He said, what was part of her life is now part of my life. 
He also was able to understand that Rachel was dealing with lots of trust issues. Coming on a retreat together helped Rachel to fully understand that she had a husband who wouldn't abandon her. He was going to love her and cherish her all the days of her life. This fullness of healing not only helped the couple, but it helped them as a family. Rachel then could feel free to embrace her living children as she was unable to do prior to her healing. John and Rachel, as well as the co-founder of Rachel's Vineyard, Kevin Burke, believe that abortion healing should be part of any premarital counseling. John said that if there was a talk on their engaged encounter weekend, it might have saved them years of struggle and grief. Well, folks, that's all for this week's One Body Show. As a reminder, if any of you are struggling with an abortion, whether female, male, or as a couple, please give yourself the gift of a Rachel's Vineyard retreat. one 877 grieve That's one 877 I grieve. Tune in next week when we'll talk more about what a Rachel's Vineyard retreat entails. And we'll have a special guest with us who will share her story of healing. In the meantime, if any of you listening out there can help support Divine Mercy Radio, we desperately need the help. And we need your help today. So please give what you can, whether it's $10 or $10,000. We need it all. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. 